Chris Kruger is a personal trainer and OG YouTuber who first burst onto the fitness scene over 12 years ago with his 70 day transformation video getting over 3 million views and I recently listened to him on Mark Bell's podcast talking about his beasting, feasting and fasting and his male hormone optimization so I was keen to get him on the podcast to chat. Right, we're on. Yes, people, welcome back to Process. Today we are joined by a man all the way from the other side of the, of the earth, as they say, all the way from the States, Mr. Chris, uh, Chris Kruger. I first listened to Mark Bell's podcast and Chris was on it and a lot of the things that you were talking about on there with the hormone optimization is something I'm really diving into at the minute. So I was keen to get Chris on, talk about it. Um, we're going to kind of get his story in it, yeah. Just talk about the experience down at Mark Bell's podcast and then also his kind of journey in fitness and a lot of his belief on the beasting, feasting, fasting. Um, so yeah, Chris, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thank you very much, Brendan. No problem at all. And um, introduce yourself briefly in terms of your story into fitness and when the whole kind of beasting, feasting, fasting came about. When, when did that idea come to you? That's, that's actually a long story. So it's very long. <laughs> direct me as you need to. Yeah. Um, so I, growing up, I like, and I'm 39 now. So when I was growing up, like you still had like, the He-Man action figure. And He-Man is freaking jacked, right? Like, and that's, you know, like, and, and you also have like the original Superman movies with Christopher Reeves, not as jacked, but still this tremendous, like, uh, masculine power doing good in the world. And I think a lot of boys growing up in the, you know, I, I was like six in 1990. So growing up 80s, 90s is all kids kids want to be like a superhero you want to be he-man or superman or batman and you know use all your strength and power to do good in the world and the thing that was a struggle for me is like i was such a wimpy kid and like i played sports like i was on a little like eight and under soccer team or whatever but i was never very good and i never had any muscle i remember one time i was like eighth grade and there was this kid we're literally on an eighth grade field trip and all the girls are like ripping his shirt off to like see his abs. I don't This kid's name is like Nick Van Buchan. I was like, this is, this is, and this, you still remember it today. <laughs> this is just coming to me. And I remember just being like so resentful. Like I play sports. I'm this, I'm that, blah, 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 blah. And I, I just didn't have that. And I always admired it. And I, like, I would like beg my mom to buy me like the bodybuilding magazine at the, at the grocery store and stuff like that. Um, and so I always wanted that, but then something that I think was pretty unique about my childhood is I came home in sixth grade and up to this has been like a totally idyllic childhood. And in sixth grade, I come home one day, I'm 12 years old and my parents are just kind of holding each other and their bedroom is like super gray, like the blinds are down and everything. And that was the day that, you know, I found out that my dad had prostate cancer. And looking back on it and knowing what I know now about health and fitness, like, oh, well, yeah, before that he was a type two diabetic and like, you know, metabolically dysregulated and deranged. And like, it all makes sense. You know, you're, like you're eating all the sugar. Like I talked about on the Mark Bell podcast, like when I was a kid, you still bought ice cream by the brick. Like it came wrapped in a paper brick. You bought a gallon of ice cream. And so growing up like my my prayer on my pillow every night please let my dad make it to my high school graduation and so yeah i always wanted to be like be lean be a star athlete whatever whatever but always on my mind was like how how do you actually put the health with the fitness right 
there's so much health and fitness that is neither, right? It's only about projecting an image, right? Like I've got awesome abs and huge arms and, you know, powerful legs. And, you know, you look at like on the bodybuilding stage, these are people that have literally taken themselves to like death's doorstep to look a certain way and they're not healthy. So that was always my thing is, is marry the health to the fitness, right? Where it's, and I think both industries do a disservice to the other. Like, well, oh, we're talking about health over here and we're talking about fitness over here and the fitness doesn't even really mean fitness. It means projecting the certain image. So for me, I wanted those two things working together. And, and I started figuring some things out. I had some great coaches. I remember I had this guy, Emil Verboski. So I went to this private high school and my friend Ben came from like a, a, a wealthy family. And so he found, it just so happened that in 1992, Seattle hosted the Goodwill Games. And this dude who was a Soviet strength coach from Bulgaria, like literally the strength coach for the Bulgarian national team, happened to defect to the United States in my hometown. Like just completely fortuitous. So years later, I'm in high school, Ben's family finds this guy and has him start training my friend Ben. And so I just got to tag along with all those workouts. And it was like all the most cutting edge, like Soviet stuff. It was like totally awesome. And so I followed a lot of his stuff and put some other stuff together and really had this very cool program I called the Heart of a Champion right at the start of YouTube. Right. So imagine like I'm on YouTube in like 2008. It's a proper OJ. It's a proper OJ. That, yeah. I don't know. It's like, don't quote me on this, but this is like eight years before Mr. Beast is on YouTube or something. Like I'm on YouTube in 2008. And at that time, I had this cool program that I designed, 10-week program, and I would just challenge people like, hey, you want to you wanna get in shape, send me a before photo, I'll send you my little 10-week pamphlet, basically, this little PDF. And then I would get these awesome, just incredible uh, before and after pictures, right? Because I would require the before picture for them to get the program. And then for everyone that completed the, the program, it worked. So I had these really cool before and after photos pouring in. And then one of the things that happened at that time is I took a job coaching college football. So American tackle football uh, with the pigskin and the brown ball that is <laughs> shaped like an oval. So just so we know what we're talking about. So I was coaching football and I actually hurt my back at work. Right. So I herniated two discs. And at that time I was like eating with the football team. Like it was a job that didn't pay anything. Uh, I think in England they say it didn't pay shite. Is that a Yeah, shite. Yeah, shite, shite's very Jordy as well. That's how Jordy say it, shite. Yeah, I like that. So <laughs> I wasn't getting paid anything, but at least I had like all this like free like football buffet that I could eat at because it was during the, the two-a-day practices before school started. And so I was eating and eating, and I put on during that football season because my back hurts so bad. I'm, like I could barely move. But I put on like 50 pounds in just a couple of months. But I still had that original Heart of a Champion program. And so I went through and I made it nicer and I, I elaborated on it. But then as soon as my back was healed, I, uh, and this was literally, I had Thanksgiving dinner. I went home, had Thanksgiving dinner at my mom's house. So my dad had already passed away by then, like actually died of prostate cancer. But I went home for Thanksgiving with my mom. And on Black Friday, so that's the day after Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving in the States, always a Thursday in November. And then there's Black Friday is the day after it. So on Black Friday, that's like my week zero. Black Friday, 
that Saturday, that Sunday, I'm like getting it together. I'm taking my before photos. I'm taking my, my pre-fitness test. And then on that Monday, so I guess we call it Cyber Monday. I don't know if anyone still calls it that. But that Monday, I started doing the same program that I'd already been sending to everyone else. And I do just a little documentation like every day. I'm just like, hey, day one, heart of a champion program. Day two, day three. And so by Super Bowl Sunday, which is, you know, depending on the year, but it's like 10 weeks away, I was like back to shredded, got my abs back, got my life back. And then I really made one of the first viral transformation, viral fitness videos ever on YouTube. So it's my original 70 day transformation. So I'd already been sending this program out to people. I had already gotten amazing results for myself. Like I have photos from before I hurt my back where I'm like eight pack abs, biceps, like the whole thing. But went up to 253 pounds and then back down to 205 in 10 weeks. And then six months later, the transformation is even more ridiculous. Like ab, like uh, veins coming up into my abdomen, absolutely shredded. Uh, incredible physique. So after I had that viral video, it was so cool because I literally just, and this is before Google even bought YouTube, right? So YouTube was like pushing the virality of that video. So I get like 12,000 new views a day. And then I just put my program up for like, you know, online for like 50 bucks and every morning i wake up 12,000 people saw the video this many people bought the program i could go play basketball i could go swimming and I, I could do whatever i wanted all day because everyone was finding me on on youtube going to get the program getting great results then emailing me incredible transformations and so that was really great later i got into coaching uh celebrities in los angeles so there was i was dating she's my wife now but my my girlfriend was in physical therapy school and then she graduated so she's a physical therapist so we kind of we're the best of both worlds like the rehab prehab the strength and conditioning and so uh there was a client that wanted that needed to transition from uh rehabbing or prehabbing she she had this bad hip where she wanted to do aquatic therapy at the special therapy place in los angeles but she had her own pool that she would just heat up to like 98 degrees. So like, like 37 degrees. She had this pool that was like steaming in the winter, very, very warm. We, before we got on the call, just so you guys know, we were talking Fahrenheit versus Celsius and figuring out what it meant. So she wanted someone to go to her house and, and work with her. And she was ready to get out of the pool. But the bottom line is all the surgeons were telling her, oh, you need to have surgery. You need to have surgery. You need to have surgery. And we were like, well, why don't we just rehab you and make you super strong? And so... I went over there and kind of took her out of the pool into the house, started working out in the house with like, just, it wasn't a weight room. It was like a BOSU ball and a Swiss ball and like some, you know, five, 10, 15 pound weights and uh, really train your core. And so this woman got amazing results and it happens that she, it's Los Angeles, it's Hollywood. She's a pretty famous actress. And so then I had my online video still doing great. But I just got recommended like word of mouth, like literally one person tells two people and two people tell two other people. And next thing you know, I had this like incredible personal training business where I'm going from Hancock Park to Beverly Hills to Century City to Bel Air, like just training people all over Los Angeles all day. And we actually did incredible things with a lot of those clients. It was actually interesting the breakdown. Like I because I got recommended by an actress that was just happenstance. I ended up working with a lot of women, like from like 
all over the spectrum where it was like one woman was a 50 year old uh, housewife married to a, a CEO of a very successful American, like I, iconic American brand, uh, actresses, female executives like at Netflix, uh, female executives at other big companies. And, you know, putting my, my stuff into place with them, and we'll talk about it more like beasting and feasting and what I do, like everyone just got so much healthier. Uh, so let's see, where, where are we in the story? Oh, but then this, this is, and this, I'm trying to get the timeline right for you. But for me, that original program, the 70 days program, absolutely. If you were a guy in your twenties, you would knock it out of the park. No doubt. Like 10 weeks later, you'd be shredded and your whole life would be awesome. Yeah. What was the program like? What, what was the program? What was the program like in terms of, okay, I think you mentioned it in the, the Marbell podcast, in terms of the six meals a day trends, they have pretty much every single day. What so, was it like? So this original program, which was the best I knew how to do at the time, like in my twenties. And, and the thing is like, if I had the program I had now, it just would have been better the whole time. So this program is like bro splitting leg day, Monday, little cardio on Tuesday, back and chest on Wednesday, little cardio on Thursday, shoulders, biceps, triceps, arms on Friday, 300 challenge. So my fitness test every Saturday that you have to improve. And then Sunday was like an off day. And then the, the, the nutrition was the basic six small meals a day. I, I did a, I did some really, I want to, it's not, the podcast is about patting myself on the back, but I, I <laughs> what was existing out there, you know, optimized it, made it my own and did things that were just like a little bit smarter in terms of the layout for people to actually like put it into practice versus the other stuff that was out there. You know, like where, where do the macros come from? Well, they come from this. Well, why do they come from that? Well, because this is your goal weight based on these other factors. Like, so everything just kind of fit together. So it was very, it was easy. It was a plug and play where it's very formulaic. If you're this tall, you should weigh about this much. So you should eat this much. So you should do this. And then in the end of 10 weeks, you're going to have absolutely crushed it. But the thing that changed where I had to totally shift is at 30 years old, I just wasn't in my twenties anymore. Like just, I just obviously wasn't in my twenties. Like in my twenties, I was like, I'll just run through a brick wall no matter what. Like it doesn't matter. I'll I'll make it eat six small meals a day. My testosterone is just naturally pumping high. Um, and so I'm out on my honeymoon in Hawaii, sitting in this hot tub, like looking at the North Shore, looking at the ocean. And six weeks before that, because we got married in mid-February, so six weeks before that, I was like, oh, I'm getting in great shape. And I got in decent shape, but I just had like no motivation to like make to meal prep to, to make six small meals a day to to do any of this stuff to to go to the gym and really push i just and and looking back on it and this is before everyone was on hormone replacement therapy and trt but it was it was just at the start when people were like oh do i have low t so looking back i was like dude i had all these symptoms of low t at like 30 years old and it sucks like the world is just not as nice of a place it's like literally colors are more vivid when your tea is high right like everything about life like your your pervasive optimism the the fact that working out feels good instead of like drudgery you know like that's that's one of the things that testosterone really does is it makes effort feel good and so i, I sat in and i had this kind of i call it my north shore epiphany where i'm like dude you know i i tracked all the calories 
it's not a matter of what, it's a matter of how, right? And that's the hunger games is like, or, or, or we can call it the calorie game, right? Is it's what to do, eat less, move more. Like that's a super simple equation. If that was plug and play, everyone would be shredded because everyone would just eat less and move more. It's so simple. But the question isn't what, like that's obvious. The question is how. And so when you are trying to eat less and move more, I say you're playing the hunger games, right? Because you're always, you eat less, drains your willpower. You move more, drains your willpower again. Then you got to eat less the next day. And it could be still the same amount as the day before, but you're, you're continuing to eat less than you otherwise would. You're continuing to move more than you otherwise would. So you're always burning the candle at both ends, draining your willpower, draining your willpower. And that's literally everyone that has calorie restricted, time restricted, anything is you're always draining your willpower to the point where it's not going to happen anymore. What's, what's really happening is you're wrecking your hormones, right? Your hormones are always coming back to you like, hey, man, you want to eat more. You want to move less. What are we doing? Why do we keep doing it this way? Why do you keep overriding our signals? And so unless we take care of the hormones first, our hormones are never going to let us do what we want to do, which is eat less and move more. Mm -hmm. And so I came back from my honeymoon. I was like, all right, I got to figure this out. I got to figure out how I can, you know, win the hormone game. How can I get my growth hormone pumping? How can I get my testosterone pumping? How can I get truly healthy? And, you know, almost 10 years later, one of the biggest questions like my clients have is like, Chris, do I have to eat all this food? And it's not, and this is, this is like a key difference. It's like the nuance between the hunger games and the hormone game is on the hunger games. We're always looking for some way to be full, right? It's like, Oh, well, I'll eat all, I'll eat this huge salad or I'll eat all this fiber or, you know, all of these fibrous foods. And then I'll be full. And my stomach is stretching uncomfortably. Like, Oh, I don't want to eat anymore. But then as soon as my stomach empties and it passes down my digestive tract, I'm like, dude, I'm ravenously hungry. I'm starving. Versus the hormone game is it could be my favorite food in the world on the plate. But I don't know. There'll become a point where even if it was an all you can eat buffet, right? Say we go to the Brazilian steakhouse and there's one steak at the Brazilian steakhouse where they just keep hitting me with it because it's my favorite. At some point, you know, for everyone who's been to a Brazilian steakhouse, you have like the little coaster and it's green on one side and red on the other. Yeah, we've got them over here as well. You're flipping the red up, right? You're like, dude, I'm tapping out. I don't want any more. I can't eat anymore. I don't want it. And it's not usually because you're full. It's because you're not hungry, right? And so that is this key difference is instead of it being the stretch receptors of your stomach, it is now the hormone response from your brain. So you put out into your bloodstream, you've got all these amino acids that are like, oh, dude, We've got the full puzzle here. We can build stuff. We can, we're ready to go. And so your brain triggers leptin, shuts off the growl, and you're like, I'm not hungry. And so what you're able to do then is complete this beautiful, virtuous cycle of beast and feast and fast. So I never have a pre-workout meal. I never have any pre-workout nutrition at all because everything that your body needs is already there if you had the right feast, if you had the right meal the day before. Okay, so people, you and you might you might not feel super energetic. Like you might arrive at the gym or for your workout or whatever you're doing and be like, you know what, I'm dragging a little bit. 
But the thing is, in addition to the dials that we change on beasting, feasting, and fasting, is you also just have the big switch on your nervous system. So if you are parasympathetic, right? You're just like, ah, oh, I'm kind of in rest and digest mode. I'm kind of in chill mode. And you've been fasting for a while. You know, maybe you don't feel super energetic, but it's your choice to flip that switch to the sympathetic nervous system, to sport mode, to, to fight, flight. Was what, What's the other one? Fight, flight? What do you got, Luna? Uh, where you have the ability, all, all you have to do is warm up, right? Like if you start doing jumping jacks, if you start doing high knees, if you start doing nice, easy sprints, you know, like, oh, sprint down 20, 25 yards, 25 meters. Yes, still got, yes, 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 still got yards. Yeah, sprint down 25 yards at 60%, sprint back at 65%. You know, like by the time you work yourself to where you're doing 90, 95% sprints, you're breaking a sweat, you're in your sympathetic nervous system. And what you're, what that does is it triggers your liver to be like, we got all this sugar in here. We got all this stored glycogen. Well, let's convert that stored glycogen in our liver back to glucose in the bloodstream. So it's like you just flip this switch, and now that's your pre-workout drink, right? That's your Gatorade. That's your, I don't know, Red Bull, cat, like what? Like that is the pre-workout. And so what that allows you to do is now you're burning through all the sugar that you already ate yesterday and you already stored yesterday instead of the sugar that you're drinking from your Gatorade that you just popped open, right? It's always how, and this is for everyone getting shredded, looking great, feeling great, being great, is it's how do I burn the calories that are already stored, whether they're stored in your fat tissue or they're stored in your muscle tissue as glycogen or your liver as glycogen. How do you burn what's already been stored? Or for, for ladies, I like to say, Ladies, we got to burn the fat from your hips before we burn the fat from your lips, right? Like we don't want to be putting in more. Oh, I'm going to go to the workout and I'm going to go do my workout and burn 500 calories. Yeah, but you just drank 400 calories of Gatorade during your workout. Like you, you're totally, you made no progress. And depending on how stupid your workout was, you triggered the cortisol, the stress, and you triggered the ghrelin, the hunger, so that the rest of the day you overeat. And it was like, you know, I'm kind of hopping around on the timeline here, but there was a time where we had moved out to the desert where I live now. So we moved like two hours east of Los Angeles. And we were thinking about like, oh, well, do we want to move back to LA? So I took a job at like literally the most posh gym in the US. So it's Equinox, which is the very fancy, yeah. very expensive gyms. And I was at their destination location, Century City. And so everyone's got their Rolls Royce and the valet out front. But these super alpha type guys, you know, like big shot lawyers and everything that are at the, the big law firms in Los Angeles come in and they do like an hour of hard charging cardio on the elliptical. And they come in Monday through Friday. And every week they look imperceptibly worse. Like you can't really see that they look worse, but they're worse. But when you add being a little bit worse every week from your stupid workout, that triggers the hormones because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to win the hunger games. They're like, I'm going to go in first thing in the morning, 6 a.m. I'm going to burn a thousand calories crushing it on the elliptical. Well, guess what? All you did was sh trigger stress and hunger, and then you overeat 1,010 calories the rest of the day. So your whole year, you're off by 10 calories a day, or really it's probably more like 100 calories a day. So you're off by 100 calories a day. Guess what? You gain 10 pounds a year.
You gain 10 pounds a year for a decade, you're 50 pounds overweight. But it happened so slowly and so insidiously that nobody ever saw it, right? It's imperceptible. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they never get results. So it's like, you're working so hard. If you think 50 weeks a year in the gym, so five days a week, 250 hours at the gym, and you're just a little tiny bit worse that you can barely see versus, oh, I send you to the, to the gym for 10 weeks on my program. Or at Equinox, I became the number one trainer in the world within five months just because I would only sell the biggest program and everybody wanted to work with me. I think I told this story on Mark Bell. I was like, yeah, dude, my whole advertising was I would pick a locker as far from the sauna as possible, take my clothes off, wrap a towel, walk to the sauna, and everyone in the locker room would be like, damn, because I'm the guy with the better than Brad Pitt Fight Club physique. I've got more muscle. I'm just as lean or leaner. I've got an eight pack all the time. The veins are creeping up into my abdomen. I've got bigger arms than everybody but the bodybuilder guy at the gym. And so they come into the sauna and they're like, dude, dude, what do you do? And I was like, well, I beast feast and fast. I win the hormone game. This is how I do it. Oh, can I work with you? Well, I don't know. My, my schedule's pretty busy. Right? <laughs> like I'm booked. Like I'm honestly in high demand. I'm the number one Equinox trainer in the world. Um. So yeah, I think we, we've kind of skipped around and maybe hit all parts of my fitness story. Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a couple interesting things that I, I'm really excited to work on now, but I don't know if they're germane to your, to your podcast. So where, where do you want to go from here? I want to talk about a bit more like the hormone um, side of things. Obviously with the fasting, I think people are probably interested in finding out how we, because it's one meal a day you're only having, isn't it? So it totally depends on the person. So for me, depending on the situation, I might eat one meal a day, mm -hmm. but there's other people where I'm like, dude, you need to eat two meals every single day. And there's some people where I'm gonna be like, you need to eat three meals a day and it's this time, this time, and this time. So unfortunately, when I say beast, feast, and fast, is a lot of guys, if they're overweight, they're like, dude, I'm eating one meal a day. Oh, actually, forget that. I'm not gonna eat any meals today. I'm not gonna eat any meals for a week. And they just wreck themselves mm -hmm. going too hard, too fast. So with the way I set it up to win the hormone game is it depends on the person and their goals, right? So like a big muscular guy where we don't need any more muscle mass, where we want to maintain or maybe slowly increase it. Like for me, one meal a day is very easy. Like as a dad, getting stuff done, doing all the work I need to do, like one meal a day is super easy. But if I really wanted to gain muscle, I might be on two meals a day, right? And, and for me, I could switch them in and out. It wouldn't really matter. There's some people that should absolutely be at two meals a day. And then there's other people where it might be three meals a day and we might talk about the window. It's not really intermittent fasting, but we want to make sure that generally I want one fast to be at least 14 hours. And that's for like man, woman, or child. We don't want to eat right before bed. There's no need for a bedtime snack. So you have a few hours before bed. You wake up, you might have a few hours first thing in the morning, you might work out first thing in the morning, fasted, and then you would eat your first meal. So it really depends, three, two, or one. But the real thing is like, get rid of the snacking. And that's what I hate about intermittent fasting. And there's been some, some studies now where they've done the meta-analysis. They're like, oh, well, it seems like intermittent fasting really isn't better compared to other forms of calorie restriction, yada, yada, yada. And it really depends on what you're doing, right? Like, if your idea of intermittent fasting is I wait till 10 o'clock at night and then I just like pig out on anything until midnight, like 
your your fasting sucks. Like it's terrible. Yeah. So it's really about placing all like really stacking these these daily practices on each other so that you create this this routine that allows you to live your life with like maximum freedom where it doesn't have to feel like you're using willpower to resist everything. You know, if I'm like, if I'm a person that eats one meal a day, or even if I'm a person that eats three meals a day, but if I eat three meals a day and I don't eat snacks and I know I'm going to have this meal and this meal at home, then I don't have to think about like, oh, I'm driving down the highway and there's a McDonald's and there's an Arby's and there's a Kentucky fried chicken. I don't even think about them. I don't see them because my routine is there. And this is something I talk with my clients about all the time is like, you're going to have 24 hours in a day, right? So right now where most clients start, this is the transformation journey that we need to get to is you start and it feels like you're stuck in a rut. But if I say, okay, that's your current routine or your current lack of a routine. If I can just bump you over to here on the other side and give you these daily practices, we're going to find your groove, but a groove and a rut are the same thing, right? Like I want to get, I want to get stuck in the groove, not stuck in the rut. I want to find my groove, not find a rut, but it's the same thing. It's just a matter of allocating your 24 hours towards a routine that is helpful for you. And so these things like, it can be certain foods. Is this food healthy or unhealthy? Should I be fasting this long or this long? Should I be eating this many meals or this many meals? It's all for the person is, it's not that anything is good and evil or right and wrong. It's for that person. Is it more helpful or less helpful? So like everything exists on that continuum, more helpful, less, less helpful. And then there's also optimal. And then there's also efficient, right? Like I might do, and the other thing is optimal, efficient, and then also maximal. So very few people out there need the maximal dose of anything, right? Like if I worked out for two hours every day, as hard as I can in the gym, that could be a maximal deuce, um, deuce. <laughs> that could be a maximal dose that gets me all the potential gains that I can get. But if I can work out for 10 minutes and get 70% of the gains, or if I can work out for 45 minutes and get 95% of the gains, I don't need to do the full two hours. It's just inefficient. Even if it is the maximal, the, even if it gets the maximal results, it's still inefficient for anyone living any sort of life beyond being a professional bodybuilder, which most people don't care about and don't want to do at all. They don't even want to look that way. So three meals, two meals, one meals, uh, one meal. It depends on the person. It depends on what's right for you. But I do want to see, because we start talking about the benefits of fasting accumulate and it's the clinical data is like in 13.1 hours, you start getting autophagy and apoptosis and these other great things where it's, it's like your, your body's going through and like cleaning itself up saying, Hey, we got all this extra junk. We haven't eaten in 13 hours. Maybe we should burn this junk. So as long as we, we take that overnight fast to 14 hours, it's better for your sleep. It's better for your circadian rhythm. It's literally better for everything. So we do that and then you, you're left with this 10 hour window. So the question is, do you have three meals, no snacks in that 10 hour window, two meals, no snacks in that 10 hour window, or just one meal in that window? And then, yeah, there's certain macros that we're trying to hit, but I don't even have, I don't wanna count calories. I wanna put people through the effort of counting calories or even tracking macros and trying to make all the macros fit together. It's just, if you eat the right foods and you're plating meals that are, roughly a certain size and you can tell you know the portions are right instead of the calories or the macros 
because I can't see calories. Like I can't see macros, but I can see portions. Mm -hmm. So it's so much more helpful to say, oh, we'll put these portions on your plate and that's all we need to do for tracking. So it's, are you, are we going to put everything on one plate at one, at one point of the day or everything on two plates at two different times or everything on three plates at three different times? Like it's, it's that simple. And it's just a matter of knowing what's right for that person. Mm-hmm. I think you'll kind of, yeah, 100%. I think you'll kind of find out because I know with the fasting thing, I know if I haven't ate enough the day before because my train, I feel a little bit more lethargic. My training isn't there. I know I've, I've seen Rich Frones talk about it when he started to fast and he's like, I know that my training, I know that I haven't ate enough the day before because my train, I'm kind of in the morning, I feel a little bit more like lower, lower, like almost like you're lower on like glycogen for your energy sources. You can kind of tell. And then also the other way around, if you eat too much, you kind of, you know what it's like, your digestion's not great, your sleep's interrupted. You'll, once you get that balance, it's just like you talk about trying to find a routine. I think that fasting, having that sort of window gives you a routine to also know that you, you don't even have to think about food in the 14 hours outside of that 10 hour window. You can just focus on work, focus on whatever other things and be like, right, once I've hit that 10 hour window, I've got my meal one at this time, meal two roughly at this time, and then it, it gives you it gives you structure. I think that's what the great thing about fasting is. It's more just structure in your day. That's, that's what yeah, I like it for anyway. And it's it's that structure that gives you the freedom. And one of the things in there is we don't want to overdo fasting. Yeah. So there's no need like a lot of guys will be like, oh, fasting. Oh, this is this is this is the key to weight loss. Like I just won't eat. And then they don't eat for a week and they wreck themselves, right? And so all the weight they took off during their 96 or 100 hour fast or 100 whatever, like all the weight just comes right back on. And all you did was like damage yourself a little bit. So instead of doing that, eat one great nourishing meal. And it's kind of like the difference between nutrition and nourishment, right? Like after a meal, you should feel like, oh, I feel good, right? It's not like I stuffed myself with salad and I don't feel anything. And then I'm ravenously hungry later. Like you want to be always nourished. You want to be asking the question, like you even asking it to yourself or asking it to me, like, Chris, do I have to eat all of this? Because it's not about stretching your stomach out with like having bulk in your diet, with having all this fiber, all this salad, all this lettuce. It's about triggering the leptin to where you're not hungry anymore. And then you can move on with your day and do other things. Yeah, 100%. I think like you mentioned there about how it's going to be different to everybody as well. Some some people don't have to go back to the training side of things as well, but if people burn themselves out, people always try and follow what other people do, where realistically everyone's life's different. Like for you yourself, you're only having one meal a day. That works perfect for you. For for me who or someone who's maybe trying to be a little bit more of an athlete, training twice a day, that's when maybe two or three meals comes in. Or someone who maybe does work a like a busy office job, you probably realistically only need one meal a day, especially if you're very sedentary and you you work a long hours sitting down. If, that, if that's more productive for you, if that works for your lifestyle, it's just making it very individual. Um, but obviously having a coach and someone who can kind of, who's been through it as well, massively help, which is why one of the reasons I wanted to want to have you on, because you've kind of lived through it, you've tried different, you try the six meals a day, you try in the fasting now. It's just finding things that individual, don't always go and copy what someone's doing straight away without obviously, like obviously speaking to them first yeah, and then it, getting a coach. There's a lot of nuance in everything, right? Like when I was yeah. a kid, you know, it wasn't just like you'd see your favorite bodybuilder online. There was like, you couldn't you couldn't see him it was always in a magazine it was always like this is jay cutler's mr olympia arms workout right so it's like this one size fit all cookie cutter workout that who knows if jay cutler ever did it um but one of the things i want to say there were you were talking about like just the intuitive nature of the fasting and the eating like oh well maybe i should have eaten a little more yesterday maybe i should have had a little less is that even 
dietitians, right? Like licensed nutritionists, when they try to count calories, they usually underestimate the calories by a hundred or more, by a hundred or more calories, right? It's, it's, it's all we always happens. So if you're off by a hundred over a year, you've gained 10 pounds of body fat, right? According to calorie math. So if even the professionals at dieting, dietitians can't get the count right, then what chance do you have? The only way is to do it intuitively. And one of the, one of the things I have all my clients do is they weigh in every single morning and it's not to compare it to the day before because that'll make you go nuts because your hormones, your sodium, like every, your digest, like everything will be a little bit off if we're just trying to compare it to the day before. So, dude, I worked out so hard yesterday and I didn't eat anything and I still gained, you know, two pounds. What the heck? That's wrong. Mm -hmm. So for men, I always have them compare it to a week ago. So if I weigh in on Monday, the question is, what did I weigh last Monday? Am I moving in the right direction? And for women, I do it four weeks ago. And this is like, you know, adult women, uh, pre-menopause, perimenopause, menopausal, postmenopausal, always compare it four weeks ago. And then as long as you are trending, whether you're a man comparing it to a week ago or you're a woman comparing it to four weeks ago, is as long as you're trending in the right direction, you're doing the right stuff. But if you're trying to track everything and enter everything on your little calendar, your little app every day, and you never weigh yourself, but all you did was weigh your food and try to count your food, it makes no sense at all because the count on your food will always be off. But the number on the scale, as long as we're comparing it far enough back, not to yesterday, but to a week ago or four weeks ago, always tells the truth. And that's why my, uh, my fitness test that I actually care about. So you can do power lifting. It's like three things you can do triathlon it's three things you can have any fitness test that you want to choose to be your fitness test but for my fitness test it's everything is relative strength and it's actually something i i joked with with chris bell before i went up to the gym in sacramento is i was like yeah i was texting i was like yeah chris i'll make sure that uh that i that i wear a t-shirt for the first time this year because i usually just wear tank tops right so i'll wear a t-shirt for the first time this year because i know at super training they have this rule that unless you've benched 405 in a competition, you can't wear a tank top in the gym. You can't go sleeveless, which is like a good rule. I like it. But the but I texted Chris about it and he goes, yeah, man, we don't enforce that rule because it's just a bunch of fat guys wearing tank tops, right? Because you get to a powerlifting competition, you bench 405, but you weigh 415. Yeah. What have you done? Like you, you haven't even benched your body weight. And so the the fitness test that i care about just like i'm saying i want to weigh in on the scale every day and compare it to the right thing week over week i want you to take the same exact boring fitness test and just make sure that we're progressing it so anyone that still needs to go through their transformation journey their their hero's journey write this personal legend of i used to be like this and then i changed i didn't just change because change implies that you can change back right like and, and this i i get on people about this like we don't need a season of change like P90X. The X stands for extreme. For 90 days, I'm doing this extreme thing, but you're not going to be extreme the rest of your life, right? So then you just, over the next three seasons of that year, you just change back. So instead of having a season of change and then changing back, I want people to have a year of transformation from which they never turn back, right? So we don't have to do it fast. Consistency in whatever your approach is always beats intensity. And that's why I changed it to beasting, feasting, and fasting to the hormone game. 
is no matter how intense you want to be with your six small meals a day and tracking all your macros and counting and doing more cardio is you're probably not going to do that for the rest of your life. But I can show you these three things every day. I can work out. I can eat a delicious, nourishing meal. And then I can fast until bedtime or I can fast until my second meal, right? I can do that every day, but only the top end fitness influencers and some of these we know are all fake natties and yada, yada, yada. Only the top end fitness influencers are going to have the, the motivation, the dedication and the, the monetary reward for really sticking tight on this six small meals a day, macros, count everything, you know, get out my food scale everywhere I go, never go out to eat. Like those are the only people that are real are realistically going to line their life up to do that level of intensity forever. So if we throttle back the intensity, we make it about the hormones instead of about the calories. And we do a couple simple things every day. That's when we get the consistency where we can last a year. Like most people, especially in the US, you know, everyone, nobody from Thanksgiving through Christmas to New Year's, nobody does anything, right? No one starts anything new. No one tries anything hard. Everyone's just like, and it doesn't like, you could be in business. Like no one, no like sales guys. Like, oh, I got to make so many more sales the last six weeks of the year. There's like, ah, phone it in. That's a 2023 problem, right? Mm -hmm. So everyone waits for their New Year's resolution, except they go out late on New Year's. They get drunk. New Year's is a holiday. So the second week of January, they get to the gym finally. And then they're out of the gym by Valentine's Day because they went in way too hard. And so never wait till tomorrow. Like literally, if you're going to transform your body, you need to start with something before you go to bed tonight. Right? Like, and it could just be go to bed earlier. Right? It could be, and, and people always want to start with the hard steps. You know, when they talk to me, they're like, oh, well, I'll start fasting and I'll do such a long fast. No, don't do that. Start with a nourishing meal. The reason you're hungry all the time is because your meals suck and your snacks, like you shouldn't have, like, there should be no reason for a snack. If you're eating a real meal, you're not hungry until the next. it's time for the next meal. So start with the easy steps. Build the consistency. Start now. Don't never start tomorrow, right? Like tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow, I'll start tomorrow. Well, you get to the next day, you still got to wait till tomorrow. It's like start today. Go to bed early today. You're listening to this podcast for the first time. Have your first nourishing feast today. Go do your first workout today. Like, like. If you got your, your headphones in, go do it right now while you're listening to us. Um, yeah, it's just little nuance and, and passion stuff. But does that, does that all that make sense? No, no, I like that. I'm literally the exact same things. I say that the amount of conversations I have with clients in the past are like, yeah, I'll start doing this, that, and the other, maybe in the new year or next week, I'll do it tomorrow. I'm like, no, because like, when it comes to tomorrow, you're going to make the exact same excuses you made today. Like, nothing's going to change in that 24 hours apart from you. I'm probably going to make that same excuse. Like, unless you actually take action, you're way better off. Like with the people who are saying wait till 2023 to kind of make changes, you are much better off starting now and having a head start on that person that's going to be in 2023. You'd much rather do that. So literally everything that you're saying in terms of in terms of not going 100 mile an hour as well all the time, I'm big with all my clients rather than trying to just get that six to eight week transformation. I'd rather it be a lifestyle change. That's something that you're going to stick to and you're going to create habits that are going to not only get the results in terms of physically, but also mentally and also something that's going to have a knock on effect long term in terms of your life. And there's a big, big carryover in terms of your career as well. If you can create habits and good disciplines in your life, that's going to knock over into your career. And also, again, going back to the point about not, not bur trying to burn yourself out, if you can stick to, rather than trying to train six days a week for 
for say January, like everyone tries to go to the gym every single day in January, rather than trying to do that and burn yourself out and kind of lose interest, lose motivation, have a bad perception of the gym, why don't we just start with two, two days a week, we'll go and train in the gym, the rest of the time I want you to go for walks. That's going to be much more sustainable. And then also your work life's probably not going to be as stressed, stressful because you're not going to be as burnt out and as fatigued as you would be if you went and burnt yourself out in the gym. You've got to have a little bit of energy to also go into life with, obviously, especially if you've got kids, maybe you're not sleeping that well because you've got to get up and look after your kid for whatever reason. If you're killing yourself and burning yourself out in the gym, you're not going to be able to have the energy and kind of be able to put the same sort of drive into your work and into the rest of your life as you would if you, like I said, took your time. Um, but like I said, all the points that you're making are bang on. That's exactly why I want to have a chat with you about things. Yeah, well, that's, I just want to elaborate there. So we talked about like the hard charging guys at the super fancy Equinox Century City, Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. When you go to the gym and you just crush yourself, and especially if you're doing it with cardio, you're like busting out an hour, burning a thousand calories on the elliptical, chances are the rest of your day, you will be dragging ass. You're not going to do anything extra. You're not going to go home and play with your kids. You're not going to go home and go for a hike. You're going to be like, that is, you're shutting it down. The only extra calories you're going to burn all day are those thousand calories. You're not doing any spontaneous physical activity. You're not chewing up any extra calories, fidgeting. You're just like a, a rock the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I really want your, the workout to energize you, right? So the, for me, the, the, the optimal length of a workout is between 10 minutes and 40 minutes. And there's things like, if I go for a hike, yeah, you can hike three hours because the whole thing is aerobic and you're just burning fat the whole time. Totally fine. But if I'm really going to, if I'm going to burn sugar, right, if I'm going to burn glycogen, if I'm going to get my liver to dump the glycogen out and, and burn sugar. Number one, we only want to burn sugar for building muscle. Okay. Because otherwise you're going to make yourself hungry, but you're not going to, you're not going to put on any muscle. You're never going to change your shape, right? So cardio doesn't change your shape. You can take a big blob and make it a smaller blob but the shape is still blob, right? The only thing that's going to say, oh, I took the, the fat from down by my stomach, burned that up and made my shoulders wider, right? That's what we all want to have in terms of an attractive physique, male or female, right? Female, you throw in the hip, the hip to waist ratio as well, but basically how wide are the shoulders compared to how narrow is the waist? And the only way we're going to do that is by building muscle, by shaping ourselves up. So it makes no sense to crush yourself thousand calories of cardio and then not do anything the rest of the day and turn up the ghrelin and be more hungrier so if we do a workout between 10 and 40 minutes generally we're going to get one dump of growth hormone your body's gonna be like oh we're working out let's let's dump out some growth hormone and if you cut it at 40 minutes or you know maybe less than an hour if we're really pushing is at that point you're not going to have so much cortisol so at some point your body's always going to be like oh well, this workout is really getting kind of stressful. You know, I'd like to stop, but if we're not going to stop, I'm going to dump some cortisol in there. So you're just making yourself more stressed, more hungry, et cetera. But that's, that's really that window that I like to work in. So people always want to like, they want to make it as extreme as possible. P90X is extreme. The, the, the follow-up program from Beachbody is called insanity. You don't need to be extreme. You don't need to be insane. You just need to be consistent and you need to be disciplined. You need to have a routine and you need to find your groove. We don't need to be all those other things. Yeah. I know it's just having a sustained thing. There's that, so is it 75 hard as well? Have you heard of that one when you do, it's like two 45 minute workouts a day, got to have a gallon of water, you've got to 
read 30 minutes of a book, it, it sounds super intense, but the majority of people who do that 75 day challenge and complete it, probably gonna go straight back to where they were 75 days before. Obviously there's gonna be the, there's gonna be the small one or two percenters who are, like, there's a few people who I follow. There's a guy from the UK, he, he's got a clothing company called Represent, he does it. Very successful, he's at that top 1%, but for the 99% of other people, one, you're probably not going to complete it, and two, you're probably going to be burnt out at the end of that that 70 days anyway. Well, yeah, and I don't, like, I want you to be energized from your workout. I want you to be energized from your transformation program. And the thing, and this is not a critique of Andy Frazella or anything, like, in my original program, 10 weeks, 70 days, you know, it's an intervention to get you moving in the right direction, right? But the problem is if we if we crank the intensity up too high, the consistency falls off after one season of change. So what ends up happening with a P90X or for most people on a 75 hard is it's one cycle a year and then you lose all the results over the rest of the year and then you do the one cycle again versus having something that, you know, 75 days, 90 days, whatever. If I got 52 weeks of results versus 10 to 13 weeks of results, even if the results, even if I wasn't charging as hard, they would still totally swamp. And the big part is like all the backtracking, right? It's the yo-yo dieting. So, you know, everyone out there has done six diet cycles in their life, right? They've lost 30 pounds six times. It's 180 pounds. Like maybe 180 pounds is their goal weight. They've already lost their goal weight, but they've done it six different times instead of one time. So you got a 360 pound guy that should be 180 pounds, already lost all the weight he needs to lose. He just only lost the easiest part from doing a season of change instead of a year of transformation. Um, and so 75 hard, great intervention, but any program with an end date is not the ultimate program. Like the old, like we think what's the ultimate, the ultimate is the last one, right? So if it's going to be the last program, it's actually something I've been working on. I've, I've been taking that original 10 week program and looking at it and editing it and, and building it out. And what ultimately I want to create for every guy out there, if you want to transform say, I'm tired of being a wimpy regular guy, I want to become a virtuous man. I'm going to choose to do these hard things on a daily basis. Is to have a program where I'm going to call it Heart of a Champion. That's the original name. Like you got to prove in the 10 weeks, you got to prove you have the Heart of a Champion. But I want the subtitle to be End Game Edition, where it is the ultimate program. Not the ultimate program like it's the best program, the ultimate program like it's the best program and it's the last program. So if I give you 52 weeks of programming, that's 52 weeks to do this year and 52 weeks to do the next year and 52 weeks to do the next year. And the more like, you know, inside, you know, high level strength and conditioning, athletic performance we get into is you have things like the West Side Conjugate Method, right? Where the training is literally so hard that you have to mix it up like every single week, right? Like that's how hard the training is because it's like just exhausting your central nervous system. Um, and then the idea that's more Western is, because that's Louis Simmons kind of adopting the Soviet stuff. The idea that's more Western is periodization. So it's like, I'm gonna give you the hardest off-season program. And then I'm gonna give you the hardest preseason program. And then I realized that during the season, we're going to be focused on, you know, playing our sport or whatever, but I'm going to give you the hardest in-season program that we can do and keep you healthy for our games and matches. And then I'm going to have this little recovery program 
the postseason program, right? So every program for this whole season of competition is as hard as it can be without exhausting you to the point of like injury. And what I want to create is a program that whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, and this is specifically for guys, like I have something cooking up for women, but create a program that for a regular guy with a non-fitness career, that you can do the same program year after year after year without having to mix it up every week, without having to mix it up every three months, every season. It's just, this is the amount of work we do. The workouts are 10 minutes to 45 minutes, maybe 60 minutes, but shorten them down because I don't need 60 minute workouts every day if I'm going to do it for year after year after year, right? Like I don't have to, I don't have to cram all the results into 10 weeks. I can let the results accumulate over 52 weeks and over 520 weeks, like over a decade. And so that's what I'm working on now for, for men. It's just specifically, we don't need to go super hard. We don't need the maximum dose. If you're going to be any other career besides a fitness career, and you want to look great, feel great, be great. You want to be able to do an elite number of pull-ups, an elite number of dips. You want to be able to do pistol squats. You want to be able to clean up at whatever your hobby is, right? Like if you love skiing, I want you to be a great skier. If you play in the beer league, hockey league, I want you to be the best player in that league. If you like slow pitch softball, if you like whatever you like, you want to play tennis, you want to golf, whatever. I want you to be a fit, fast and strong, all natural athlete that can get so much more enjoyment because you are fit. Like, I mean, like in the United States, every Sunday, everyone sits around the whole day and watches like the best athletes in the world play American tackle football. And then we like go to work on Monday hungover. Makes no sense. Like, why are we out playing sports? Right. Why we, why do we just have to watch these guys play? It's just changing your perception on living and stuff like that. I think people get so caught up in a certain way that they think like normal. Like, all right, when I get to 40, 45 years old, that's me done. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't really need to exercise anymore. Like, there's not a chance I could go outside and play a game of football or a game of soccer or whatever it is. But it's just changing your perception. If you change your mindset when you're a little bit younger and be like, right, I'm going to play the longevity game here. Yeah? I'm going to start training and living my life for not just now, but for 10 years, for 20 years, for 30, 40 years down the line. It's just trying to find something that's that's maintainable and almost always working on like the minimal effective dose rather than trying to blast yourself 24-7. And if you're working on that minimal effective dose, you're constantly going to be, obviously there'll be going to be ups and downs, but you're going to be slowly, slowly, gradually progressing. And obviously maybe you get a point where you're happy with maintaining. Perfect. If you're happy maintaining that physique, that kind of structure, that mobility, that strength for the rest of your life, perfect. You can then maintain that and work on other areas of your life that you need to work on like business-wise, family-wise, and just getting a balance with things. Um, so yeah, it's all about that kind of that long-term game and thinking, not just thinking now, right, I want to be able to hand clean a certain amount of weight and yes, I'll be I'll be fine for five years, but my knees are going to be snapped. It's like me, I used to play I used to play football and it was tr I'm trying to train so many, like two or three times a day and I ended up, ended up I've had a lot of injuries. That's kind of my, how I've gotten the personal training and online coaching is through my injuries. I was just pushing, 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 pushing. But now I'm only 25. I've had four, um, had two knee surgeries, an ankle reconstruction and a groin, a groin surgery. So I'm trying to push this message onto other people, even like young athletes, never mind the general pop people. Think of the longevity game and obviously don't go 100 mile an hour. Even if you get pushed by other people to do it, you've got to look, look at your own body and think, right, am I going to be able to do what I'm doing now in 15, 20 years time? Um, you had the same, you've had injuries as well, isn't it? Your back, you said. Yeah. Well, that's, that's when I proved that my original 70 day program worked. It's like, dude, I'm just going to do this exact program for 70 days. Like I've been telling you people to do it, mm -hmm. you, my audience on, on YouTube back in the day and had 
an incredible transformation. But I think one of the things there that is is in the nuance is like, I don't want to ever have a difference between the transformation program anymore and the maintenance program, right? So we decide, we transform, we sustain. And when we, de we decide, it's we're choosing a specific ideal to work towards. And that's something I like to elaborate on. Okay, based on your height, it should be about this body weight, obviously muscular, lean, et cetera. So we have an ideal that we're training for. We're gonna transform. That transformation should become your new standard. So right, one of the, the whole keys of like self-improvement everywhere is just raising your standards. So if you're fat, sick, weak, tired, out of shape, not feeling well, there is an ideal that is lean, muscular, strong, energetic, powerful, uh, looks great, feels great. So once you achieve that, it has to become the standard by which you then judge yourself. So like my fitness test, if I know that every single Saturday morning, I got to go out of my backyard and I have to do a single set of 20 chin-ups. And if I ever have a set where I only can do 19, then I need to like get my butt in gear, hit it harder, hit it harder, hit it harder. But what, I, what I'm saying is the, the transformation program, because it's not too intense, should be the same as the maintenance program, right? If we, if we, if we just say like the end game, the long game, the ultimate program is 52 weeks where it's not a lot of big fluctuations. It's just, hey, I got to get up and I got to punch the ticket today. Like I got to check this box. So I got to check the box on my 40 minute workout every single day and that's it so it's not I, i'm going to steadily improve to near my potential my genetic potential and then i'm going to maintain that genetic potential because i'm going to keep doing the same thing that got me there versus oh i'm training for this like hang clean goal or this power clean goal or this squat goal or this bench press goal and all these things that just expose you to more injuries right like the number one goal of like a real strength coach and this is like so serious especially in the United States, you think that all these big football programs at the colleges, right? So Alabama, Clemson, Auburn, all these, Notre Dame, Ohio State, you cannot break your toys. Like you have, a lot of the kids are kind of replaceable, right? But your real star players, you cannot hurt them because that is the difference for your school. If this kid can play the game and win the game for you, and if he can't, of like tens of millions of dollars. Right. So it's not important that this 21, 22 year old kid ever hits the PR on the power clean because he's already a great football player. Right. His competition is not power cleans. His competition is football. So it's never worth exposing that kid to an unnecessary injury risk. And so the rule is, as a strength coach, you can't break your toys. All those toys have to be able to show up and play football on Saturday for American college football. And my point is for people that aren't playing American college football, that aren't 20, 21, 22 year old men, young men, is if you're an accountant, it's never worth getting hurt in the gym, no matter what. So do a program where it's going to take you towards the ability to look your best, feel your best, be your best, be able to do 20 chin ups, which is an elite level, even for like young military men, right? Like it used to be the, the fitness test for the Marines in the United States was, can you do 20 chin-ups and run three miles in a certain time? But the one I really love is the chin-ups. And all these are tests of relative strength. 
Because when you have a test of relative strength, it's telling you the truth. It's either you're too weak, you're too fat, or both. And that's why I love that test. And you're never going to get hurt doing a set of 20 chin-ups. You might get hurt doing a one rep max power clean or a one rep max squat or a one rep max bench press. But you're never hurting yourself doing a set of 20 chin-ups or attempting to do it, right? Like, yeah. oh, and, and, and I see this with my clients. Like, okay, I got this client, Alex. He can do 13 chin-ups now. A couple weeks later, he can do 14. A couple weeks later, he can do 15. Oh, he stalled at 15. Is the problem that he stopped getting stronger? No, it's the problem is that he hasn't gone any closer to his goal weight. So if you're a guy based on your height that should weigh 155 and you're stuck at 185 because you keep having cheat meals or something, well, those pull-ups are going to stay hard and you might stay stuck at 15, right? So it's, it's, and, and here's things like, the fat is never going to help you pull up. The fat is all like, Body fat is weighing you down literally every step you take. And it's also taxing your heart, right? Like I'm going to sleep at night. I got sleep apnea and my heart, like all this heavy fat is on my chest. Like you're taxing yourself every step you take, all your joints and your heart all the time because you're too fat. But I guarantee you, you wouldn't be too fat if you could do 20 chin-ups, if you could do 20 dips, and you could do 20 pistol squats with each leg. Mm -hmm. You'd be an absolute freaking beast. And, and you said, I think something earlier where you're like, oh, well, if I'm training more for a sport, I'm not saying that like the way I do it, beasting, feasting and fasting one meal a day is ideal for, for sports performance everywhere. But there is some level of turning the dials where maybe if you're a high performance athlete and you're, you got a, a, a morning workout and an afternoon practice or a morning workout and an afternoon game or whatever, where beasting, feasting, fasting with a 14 hour fast and three meals a day might be the perfect thing for your sports performance, right? And so for me at age 39, there's literally zero 39 year olds that I see in nature or just, forget that, like just, you know, dads in general about my age, they're anywhere near my level of fitness. And I like to think that my level of fitness is like, you know, a professional influencer level of physique and looking my best and feeling my best and it just doesn't exist in nature right and that's the real problem is it's not that people have the wrong dna or bad genes or anything like that like your genes are marvelous like they've gotten you this far like literally from the beginning of mankind to today your genes have survived every generation to create you the problem is not your dna it's your dle it's the diet lifestyle and environment it's being stuck in a rut instead of finding a groove and that's all I'm trying to do is make it easy for the most people. Like we started the call, like I'm talking about, yeah, my dad's got prostate cancer and I'm a sixth grader. And every night I go to bed with that on my mind. I just want him to be able to make it to my high school graduation. And he almost made it. Like he was alive past my high school graduation, but he like physically was unable to attend it, right? Like couldn't get there and passed away like two weeks later. So my mission has to be spreading the hormone game, spreading beasting, feasting, fasting, so that regular people with regular jobs that are not fitness influencers, you know, people that work in accounting or healthcare or uh, teaching or like all the other jobs there are in the economy besides influencer, that all of those people can get as far from metabolic syndrome as possible. And metabolic syndrome is just those awful conditions that underpin all the actual death and disease that we see in Western culture. Right? Do you have 
uh, low good cholesterol, low HDL? Do you have high triglycerides? Do you have high blood pressure, high blood sugar? Do you have abdominal obesity? And so can we go as far from those as possible to where we have metabolic excellence, where you've got a lean waist, you're muscular, you're strong, you got fantastic blood pressure, fantastic blood sugar, you've got total insulin control, uh, very high HDL because you're training and eating right, very low triglycerides because you've mastered fasting and you're eating right, like all these things that can shift regular people from, oh, you know, maybe it's my genes, maybe it's my DNA to know it's absolutely not that. It's that the diet lifestyle environment that is reinforcing itself on a daily basis is the wrong one for your DNA. Right, we're back on. But yeah, the health metrics and stuff that you were talking about there, having that sort of goal, rather than having the goal of purely just looking good, having that health goal, and also having the metrics in terms of your dips, your chin-ups, and your, your pistol squats, having some sort of goal to focus on is great. Because I think people too, too, like, too many people focus purely on the aesthetics, the aesthetics is the byproduct of the like, obviously good lifestyle, maybe fasting, certain diet, training consistently, and, and obviously having everything sleeping enough. The byproduct is aesthetics, and obviously health is also a byproduct of it. But having some sort of metrics to focus on, I think, helps a lot of people. And it's also great when they start seeing they're getting stronger, like they go from maybe one chin up to going, even going to one chin up to two chin up, and then they go a years down the line, they're doing ten chin ups. It's nice to look back on where they've came from. Um, so the kind of message that you are trying to push with your clients, with other people, um, is brilliant. exactly kind of what I'm believing in, in terms of hormone optimization, health optimization, rather than just being like, right, I want to get shredded. I want to look that that's a byproduct, like I just said. Um, but that's brilliant. We said we we're going we to gonna touch on the liver king, but I think, like I said, we're just off camera. That we're probably going to end up rambling on about that for too much. But I think we're both in the opinion that we're not big fans of him. Yeah, well... Forget about him. Every like literally everyone should forget about him. I've got way more to say, but I, I can make an Instagram post. Yeah. But what yeah. I want to say to everyone in your audience is like those tangible fitness goals. Like that's really what fitness is. Is like, can you perform? For a lot of people, 20 chin-ups is gonna seem like otherworldly. 20 dips, like full range of motion dips, full range of motion chin-ups, not swinging around, just like actually doing the 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 strict movement or 20 pistol squats. Seems like it's forever away. And I have clients where I work with where I have a guy that started at nearly 400 pounds, right? And so he might be a year from doing his first pull-up. So if you think like a year of zero, 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 like 52 zeros in a row, but eventually you get one, right? And that's the beauty of having this tangible fitness test that you can do every week is once you can do one, well, a week later, you'll probably do two, right? Like, and a lot of people, they can't imagine in their minds actually having this like Brad Pitt fight club physique or being lean and muscular, having this Cristiano Ronaldo physique. You know, they can't imagine it, but they can imagine, yeah, I could get to one pull up eventually. Well, shoot, if I could do one, yeah, like if I keep training, I'll be able to do two. And so 20 is elite, but, and it's, it's actually way more than many professional athletes can do. Like we gave, if we gave people my 300 challenge, my KB 300 challenge fitness test tomorrow, there are tons of Olympians and tons of professional athletes that would not score 300 points. But it's something that if you work towards it, you have no choice but to look amazing. The person that can do 20 chin-ups looks amazing because it's a test of relative strength. 20 dips, you look amazing. 20 pistol squats, you look amazing. You can't help it because you are lean. You can't do all those reps unless you get your body fat down. And when you get your body fat down, your waist gets narrow and your abs start to come to the surface. And your shoulders get bigger. You get more muscular. So really, 
look your best, feel your best, be your best is kind of this triangle that locks you in, right? If I want to look my best, I can't really get to look my best unless I become a person that can do 20 chin-ups. If I want to feel my best, I can't just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger until I have sleep apnea, right? I can't just, you know, like I can always put on more weight and bench press more like we were talking about the, the super training gym, but I can't just put on more weight and do more pull-ups. It locks you into this place where like you literally look great and feel great all the time and where you have supreme confidence. And something that we didn't really get to today, but maybe we'll just mention here is like that level where you're like, oh, I'm looking like Cristiano Ronaldo, right? Like that level, not where I'm like excessively big, where I can't even play soccer or football anymore because I'm just too like big and clumsy and, and bodybuildery. But like that level is where you are literally at your most attractive. Right. There's this thing that I call the Conan paradox, where if you just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, like a steroided out bodybuilder, like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Conan, eventually the only people that are impressed by your physique. And I agree that it's impressive, but the only people that you're going to attract are like the young guys, sycophants in the gym. They're like, oh, I want to be a big bodybuilder, too. Please, sir, tell me your secrets versus being this like lean, muscular, athletic, where it looks like. Like there's not a lot of difference between the physique of a Cristiano Ronaldo and a Rafa Nadal, right? Like incredible athletes, the best athletes in the world, but they're not too, or even like someone from the UFC. If you look at like Conor McGregor, when he was fighting at 145, right? Like he looked like death on the scale, but he shows up in the octagon the next night. He's ripped. He looks strong. He looks super powerful. So there's this body mass index range that we can identify for your height, but like that's where you are supremely athletic for almost every sport that people care about. And yeah, there are sports like powerlifting where, yeah, you could just get bigger or, you know, we can call bodybuilding a sport and, and say like, oh, we just want to get bigger. But really it's this zone where you look your best, you feel your best, you are your best, that you actually start magnetically attracting people. And that's where... When I'm when I am at that physique, right, which is most of the time, is I, I remember I was at a, a Dodger game, not this past season, but a couple seasons ago, where like I'm just at the baseball game and we're in the the fan shop with my wife and like some guy literally reaches out and dude, how did you get so fit? I'm like, dude, I'm just wearing a t-shirt. Like I can't even know how he can tell that I'm so fit. Like yeah, maybe my arms fill out the t-shirt, but it's having that courage to reach out to me. But also, it doesn't take as much courage because I'm not like super jacked and beefy, right? Dude, I want to look like you. How do I do that? And that's where people hear this podcast and want to get in touch with me. Like, just reach out in my DMs. Like, I love people that have the courage. And like this guy that I'm talking about, like, literally has the courage to just reach out and touch me. Like, excuse me, dude, how do I look like that? And I love that. And I love helping people like that. So if anyone wants to reach out to me uh, on Instagram or maybe in my email or whatever, fantastic but yeah there is a point where if we cross this line we are we, we can be impressive but we're no longer attractive in fact we, we cross this line from attractive to intimidating where you're pulling people towards you versus pushing people away and so that's that's like my vision of health and fitness not so big and so burly and so bulky that i'm actually becoming less healthy but like what is the pinnacle of health and how do i how do i create a test of fitness where I say the pinnacle of health and the pinnacle of fit fitness meet at the same point, right? Like that's what I want is health and fitness.
I think it's great that I feel like the fitness industry is kind of, it's slightly going towards more that health sort, healthy sort of look rather than purely bodybuilding. I think maybe you go back 10, 15, 20 years ago, 100% it was all bodybuilding, bodybuilding. That was kind of fitness. Now with the kind of CrossFit, functional fitness scene, obviously taking, obviously come, come to kind of rise a little bit more. I think the kind of health, healthy more look, like the athletic look is becoming a lot more appealing. I think, like you said, I think it's a lot more attractive, especially as a male. I don't think women look for the bodybuilder look. Some obviously do. I know some people do idolize that sort of physique, but I think majority of people go for that kind of lean aesthetic, like you said, the Brad Pitt sort of fight club look, something that is just more aesthetically pleasing and a bit more approachable to, to go and speak to, especially if you're, maybe you're a single guy on a night out or something like that. I think you're more going to be more approached if you're in good shape, but not huge and looking a bit intimidating. It might just be our opinion, but I think definitely, I think that majority of people would agree. No, that's, it's a, it's just a fact, right? Like yeah. the reason we have this Adonis ratio, right? Which is like the relationship of your waist to your shoulders is because it's just genetically, that's what most women are going to be the most attracted to, right? So if we are like, here's Conan the Barbarian, here's Brad Pitt Fight Club, or here's Conan the Barbarian, here's Cristiano Ronaldo. Right, like Cristiano Ronaldo and Brad Pitt, if we take it out to a hundred thousand women, win in a landslide. It might be a hundred thousand to zero. Like, yeah, there are some women that are like, oh yeah, that big beefy guy, but they're probably not even gonna go talk to that guy. Yeah. Right. So to, to become magnetically attractive is about being fit like this. Um yeah, and and, and the the amount of excess health that you have, like there's so many power lifter guys or, or big bodybuilder guys that are like suffering from sleep apnea, right? And like the only way they can even get that big is to be taking these artificial hormones. And then the only way they can maintain it is to keep taking the artificial hormones. Like I would much rather in my late thirties now, gonna be forties next year, is like to stay all natural, to be a lifetime natural because there's, there's no way to take steroids, to take these performance enhancing drugs the same way your body would do them. There's no way to, the only way to naturally upregulate it the way it should be is to naturally upregulate it the way it should be, right? If you start injecting steroids to get big, injecting testosterone to get big, is your testosterone is supposed to cycle throughout the day. Like your testosterone is naturally higher in the morning. It naturally increases again when you go to work out. But if you're just injecting hormones, it's high all the time. It's not like that hormone is like flooding to your skeletal muscle where you want it. It's flooding to your heart. And your lungs and your kidney, all your like all your internal organs are going on steroids as well, and that's just something that people don't think about. So, yeah, there's one thing that I would warn mainstream guys against. You know, like I'm saying, the guys that are the accountants, the guys that are not fitness influencer, fitness industry people, is yes, there is this intoxicating message of oh, maybe I just have low testosterone. Like that's literally how I felt when I was in Hawaii on my honeymoon. Oh, maybe I just have low testosterone. But the idea wasn't to go to the clinic and get testosterone injections that I would be on for literally the rest of my life. The idea was to figure out how to fix it. And now at 39, I feel way better than I did at 29. I probably feel as good as most 19-year-olds feel or better because we figured out the hormone game and beasting and feasting and fasting. Um, but yeah, that's just the thing is you can't, it never, you can never target these injectables. And the problem is is right now your testes, your testicles, are your testosterone factory, right? But as soon as you go to the TRT clinic and start injecting TRT, it's literally like shipping the jobs to China, right? Like 
we don't need a factory in the UK anymore. We don't need a factory in Ohio. We don't need a factory in in Newcastle. We'll just get all of the all of the all of the goods, all the manufacturing stuff shipped over from China. So what happens is your testicles literally atrophy. And that's why you get stuck on testosterone replacement forever because you close the factory in your small town <laughs> or maybe you got a big town, you close down your own testicles so that you could import the artificial testosterone from somewhere else. And that's why I'm saying, don't do that. Figure out how to naturally optimize your hormones. And it's not that natural is always better. It's better is better. And I think if you look at both ways of doing it, whether it's hormone replacement, testosterone replacement versus naturally upregulating yourself through diet, lifestyle, and environment, it's obviously better to do it the natural way because it's better, not because it's natural. It just yeah. is better. It's, it's better for your testosterone to peak in the morning and then dip and then peak again. And it's better to not just be like, oh, I do one injection a week and I've got high testosterone all the time. And that way your, your body's actually doing the work. Your testicles themselves are doing the work instead of shrinking up and disappearing. Yeah, no, 100% agree. I think the natural approach is definitely a bit. I feel like it's more, it is again, that bodybuilding culture. I think again, with the kind of health and fitness scene changing slightly, I think people are going more towards that natural approach. And I think trying to stay away from the TRT thing um but then again there is a lot of people who are pushing it saying it's healthy it's this that and the other why go through the bother of doing all this other stuff people are kind of looking for that red pill that magical pill that's going to change change the body fat change the life whatever it is change your energy levels where you can do it naturally just maybe it might take a little bit of a change in structure a change in routine optimizing your sleep making sure you train a certain way making sure you eat a certain way people just don't like changing the habits and think oh there must be a pill for something because these days there is it's just again just looking at your lifestyle looking at different habits and stuff and then and then putting things into action and then like i said you'll, you'll feel so much better for it and then you don't have to worry about god i need to take this right i need to inject myself on this day i need to i need to spend money on this it's going to save you money you're going to be a lot happier um and also there's going to be no there's no negative side effects to sleeping well exercising well and eating well yeah 100 is there anything else you want, sorry, what you want to say there i was going to say we no, can I uh Dude, I would I would just extend the conversation for forever because like yeah. <laughs> you were you were saying that uh you know you think that it's going more towards maybe functional fitness yeah. or whatever. Obviously, what I see what, what I, I see is like sorry, Mick, I'm gonna carry on. So what I see is like I, I have this guy that I work out at this little gym now, and the 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 head trainer, fitness director there is an actual physique competitor. And meeting him, I was like dude, you're, you're in like what classic bodybuilding or something. Cause they had to add the category classic bodybuilding to get back to the physiques like Arnold Schwarzenegger had, because all the new, like the new generation of bodybuilders are these enormous, like post like Ronnie Coleman, Jay Cutler. And I don't even really follow bodybuilding that much. Like I couldn't, I mean, is Phil Heath the current Mr. Olympia? I don't know, but these guys that are so humongous that are, that are the bodybuilders. So they had to create the new category called classic physique. But then those guys keep getting bigger to win classic physique. You have to get bigger, bigger, bigger. So you're almost in the full bodybuilding category. And then the guys in physique, which is not classic physique, but like just like the board shorts competition, have to get bigger, bigger, bigger to where they're almost classic physique. So this guy I'm talking to, uh, this is the fitness director at the gym I go to. I'm like, to me, this dude is, and he's not, he's not tall like me, but he is jacked. And so he's training for a board short competition, like the men's physique competition. And to me, it's just crazy that every time you create the new category or whatever, 
everyone levels up within their category to where they're like knocking on the door of the next category. And it just seems like, I, I would say there's problems with bodybuilding in the first place where ultimately it's like a dog or pony show, right? Like what's the difference between putting a dog on the leash at the American Kennel Club and like running it around be like, oh, this, this bitch won best in class. Look at the, you know, everything about this dog. You know, so I always want to be like, oh, well, what is the, the, the functional application for sports that people actually care about? Right. Like, I don't want to row 2000 meters as hard as I can. And like, it just sucks. It sucks to do that. Yeah. But I want to play hockey or tennis or golf or all these other things that are beach volleyball, all these other things that are fun. And there's no once like once you can do 20 chin ups. Doing 21 chin ups is great. Doing 22 chin ups is great. Doing 23 chin ups is great. But once you can do 20 chin ups, your life probably doesn't get any better by being able to do one more. Right. Whereas when if we're in a bodybuilding competition, we always want to be bigger. If we're in a power lifting competition, we always got to be stronger. So I'm saying, yeah, get to 20 chin-ups. Keep doing it every week. If you get to 21, great. If you get to 22, great. But then go out and live your life and do the stuff that's like actually fun. Like go join the co-ed softball team or go play golf with your buddies and enjoy the fruits of your labor. Like enjoy getting to put this fitness to use skiing or playing tennis versus I'm just obsessed because. And really, it all comes down to men pursuing status, right? The reason we want to get be the biggest guy in the gym is so that we have the status of the biggest guy in the gym. The reason we want to power lift more than our friends is so that we're the top dog, like we're the most alpha. And to me, it's just choosing, you get to choose where you pursue status, right? So you can pursue status as an entrepreneur and be like, well, how many more billions do I have to make to catch up to Elon Musk? Or, you know, and, and there's really only three things for guys to ever, and I, I like drawing this distinction, like between regular guys and virtuous men, right? Like we should all be aspiring to be virtuous men, but there's really only three things, right? It's wealth, health, and relationships. So we can focus and make sure, you know, you don't have to be as wealthy as Elon Musk. You don't have to have, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo's health and fitness protocol program dialed in as hard as he does. And for your relationship, you don't have to have the happiest marriage to the most gorgeous supermodel, right? Like, but you need to at least check the boxes in these categories to have a life well lived, right? Like, that's what takes you from, and, and this will, will sound harsh, but that's what takes you from like, oh, I'm kind of being a loser. And not that I'm trying to call you a loser, but just like, I kind of feel like a loser. Like, I, you know, my, I got a great career, so wealth is checked off. You know, my, my wife is pretty supportive and we've got great kids, so that's pretty checked off. But you know what, dude, I'm 40 pounds overweight and every time I look in the mirror, I feel like shit. Well, I feel like shit all the time, but I especially feel like shit when I have to look at it, right? So like, if you're ever failing in one of those categories, make that your top priority. And then once you have all those to a level that you would say is satisfactory, you can consider cranking them up more or you can get a hobby, right? Like after you get your fitness so high, I've got a six pack, I do 20 chin ups, my pistol squats are great. Uh, my wife, my family were good. I'm making X number of dollars, which is way more than I ever need. Then be like, dude, I'm gonna get really good at tennis. Oh, dude, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take my family on ski vacations, right? Where there's, and honestly, I think if you're, if we're talking about like modern day social media status, hungry, whatever, like you're going to impress way more people taking your beautiful family to ski in the Alps 
than you ever are going to go from like, well, I squatted 700 in my last competition and now I'm squatting 705. No one's going to give a shit about that because they don't care about that. Yeah, your your buddies in the gym, your powerlifting buddies are going to care. But mostly people are going to be like, damn, they're in the Alps for Christmas? That's amazing. That's so great. Look, they all look so happy. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's it's choosing. It's, it's checking these boxes and then choosing where you're going to go deeper. Yeah, well, literally exactly what you're saying now. I think people do try and compare themselves too much in the... <laughs> You see a lot of people like bodybuilders, especially posting like, right, I got 200 kilogram bench press today, blah, blah, blah. but like realistically, who cares apart from bodybuilders? Exactly what you're saying. Everybody else in life are like, for example, a lot, you're a coach, you're a personal trainer. If you're constantly posting content of you lifting more than like five kilograms more than you did two months ago, your clients realistically aren't going to relate to that unless they are fellow bodybuilders or fellow powerlifters. If you're just a PT who's trying to change general pop, the pop clients, then they're not going to be massively, they're going to be impressed by it, but that's not going to be relative to them. Their goals are, I want to be able to move a certain way. I want to be able to play with my grandkids in 10 years time, whatever it is. Posting and post content is going to help people rather than just constantly posting about yourself. I think like you said, it's all down to egos at the end of the day. Um, But yeah, again, having that sort of focus on yourself, that's going to be not just looking a certain way, but having a thing that's going to affect your lifestyle is definitely the, the, the kind of best way to go. Um, should we wrap up with these last three questions? Did you see the MQ&A part that I put down? At the uh, yeah, I did see them. Let's do it. Right. First one. So quick, quick fire. No pressure. Three people that you would like to invite around for dinner or go for a coffee with. Pretty much who would you like to have on a podcast? The dream podcast. Oh, three people I would invite for a podcast. Yeah. I, I misinterpreted this one. So like I saw in your, uh, in your emails, like three people, like just three people that you have invited. And I'm also like, free dude, people that dude, you dude. Would like. I, yeah. So I'm saying, like, as a dad, like, what my wife and I are always looking for is like a couple where we feel like they're like at least on our level, right? Like our kids play together well, and we want to invite you over for like our Christmas party or our Halloween party or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I'm saying. Like, wealth, health, and relationships. Obviously, the big relationships are with your family, but it is so great. To go beyond that and be like, oh, well, here's a dad that's just like me that's leveling himself up in these areas and then always looking to create that local network. But yeah, if it's three people that I just want to like hang out with, pick their brain, get their time. I mean, I can put you in the pressure that to be fair. No, no, no. So now it's great. Now it's great. I would say, and they don't, they don't all fit into like my view of fitness or how I would do things or whatever. Um, I think Jordan Peterson is just so outstanding, right? Like the guy just tells the truth and gets like crucified for it, but you would love to have time with Jordan Peterson. Um, Ed Milet is another guy. And then I would say like, I, I probably disagree with some of his, his fitness stuff. But just in terms of like his entrepreneurial mastermind super brain is Alex Hormozzi. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would go Hormozzi, Ed Milet, Jordan Peterson. And there's probably someone that if I open my Instagram feed right now, I'd be like, oh, how did I not say that guy? Yeah, there's always yeah, someone. Yeah, like, yeah I, I would recommend everyone like content from those three men that are clearly crushing it. And, you know, I think they, they crush it in different areas in different ways. But the, the message is ultimately the same. Like, you have to do the work. 
go do the work, improve yourself. And that's what we're, what we're all doing. What, what we all should be doing is leveling up and identifying what's important. Like choose a target, you know, like wealth, health, and relationships. If my, if anything else like doesn't fit into that thing, then I don't need to worry about that thing until I get really good at those three. And then I can be like, Oh, well now I want a hobby. Yeah. Right. Or now I want some other outside pursuit. Yeah. No, I love that. Next one. Three people you'd want to train with, or have you actually trained with any of the three, like any big people? Obviously, Mark no, Bell, so my, uh, my training business was, yeah, I'm going from like executive producer of such and such to the guy that did this and that. And then actress that was in so-and-so's movie. So, and then for me, like, actually wanting to like train as like train with somebody with somebody yeah 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 so training with someone is just someone that's like just a little ahead of your level right like that's what like that's where you're going to get the shine is when someone's just a little better than you but for me like i can do 20 chin-ups i can do 20 pistol scrolls i can do 20 dips so for me it's more about like helping others improve than you know being in it for myself because there's not there's not like a training goal that like i need to pursue right that's what i'm saying it's Heart of a Champion Endgame, this thing that I'm working on now, it's the ultimate program. It's the last program you need to do. So yeah, there's, I'm sure there's cool people all over the world where would be like, oh yeah, well, let's go hit up the leg day together. Let's go hit up, you know, this day together. But where, when it come down to, it's not, I, I don't have any, I would say I don't have any fitness heroes, right? Like I really respect the Bell Brothers. I mean, I saw Chris's movie when it first came out and I got to work out with him when I was up at Super Training doing the podcast. But yeah, there's no one where it's like, oh, dude, it would be so cool to train with him. Like, and honestly, like, one of my my greatest joys in life right now is I'm coaching my daughter's U8 AYSO soccer team. So we're the, the kicking koalas in AYSO 443. And, like, I get so much joy from that. Where, and, and growing up as someone that didn't really play soccer much after age eight myself, like I probably want to be like, oh, I want to pick the brain of like some soccer guys and learn how to do more, you know, soccer skills and drills. And stuff. So it's, yeah, there's no one in fitness where I'm like, oh, dude, it would be so cool to just get a lift in with that guy. It's just, it's not my, it's not my thing, right? Like, who do I want to lift with? I want to, after this podcast wraps up, I'm going to hop in the car with my wife. We'll go to the little gym and we're going to work out. Brandon, do you got me? Yeah, yeah, we're back on it. Froze for a second, and we're back on. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I say like the, the, my my number one workout partner is my wife. But next time I'm in Newcastle, I, I will hit you up for a workout. Definitely, mate. Get yourself get yourself up to BP Fitness HQ. There's some there's some good gyms around here. Just no one ever wants to come up here. <laughs> get yourself over. Uh, and then the last question: one thing that you'd like to say to yourself ten years ten years ago. So ten years ago, where were you at? What would you want, want to say there, Chris? Yeah. So I would. I mean. I think a great piece of advice for everyone, wherever they're, they're at is when it gets easy, go hard, right? There are different times in my fitness journey where when it was easy, I backed off, right? And I, I, I didn't end up spreading my message to as many people because times were good. Like times were easy. I had this viral content or, or I had this many, you know, fancy, fancy people, training clients, and I should have parlayed that into opening my own gym in Hollywood or, you know, like there's times when it gets easy go hard and i think that that parallels for people just on their transformation journey if you're a regular non-fitness influencer person right like you're the accountant or the dad or whatever 
is so often you're going to have this part where it's like, oh man, I'm actually getting good at this stuff. I'm, 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 I'm really, I'm getting there. And then people get complacent. Like, I, and I say this all the time, like good enough and complacency is the biggest killer of greatness. As soon as you're ready to settle for like, oh yeah, this is okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm making a good living right now. Like people are pretty happy. Like, let me just hit the coast button is when you're tempted to coast, that's when you need to go harder than ever because that's where the real breakthrough comes. So to those people, I say, make it happen. You know, like you just, you have to keep going because otherwise it's just all stagnation and, and really backsliding, right? Like if it's your, if it's your personal transformation journey, dude, I was 250 pounds and I got down to 220 pounds and I felt a lot better, but I wasn't all the way, you know, I didn't look the way I want, but it was pretty good. And then those are the people that slowly creep back to 250, right? So I would say there's a great book called The Slight Edge. And the guy basically describes it like most people in their lives are kind of drowning, right? And they will struggle like heck. They will go so hard to get that breath. But then once they get their breath, they go easy again, right? So for everyone in your audience, I'd say, and it's just one of the biggest mistakes I've made in my life is, when things have been so easy, like just, I can mail it in. I've got all these incredible training clients or I've got all these, we all these views and everyone's buying my program, whatever, is that when it's easy, go hard. So don't just, don't just struggle for that next breath, but like swim back to the beach, build a ship and sail around the world, right? Times are easy. Times are good versus, oh, do just enough to stop yourself from drowning. Like do the work. I like that. It's a great way to finish that. Great message. Well, thank you very much, Chris, mate. I'll put all your, you've got YouTube, you're a YouTube OG, like, like we said at the start. I'll put yeah. your YouTube, Instagram, email, and everything in the show notes and in the description on YouTube. But hey, man, it's a pleasure having you on. Thank you very much. All right, Brendan, great talking to you, man. Appreciate it, man. Bye. Bye.